Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now, we've come to a place in studying this subject in which we're going to cross over now into what the Bible calls the letters to the church, the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to different churches that God used him to. God used him with his apostolic gifting, authority, to build, to start, to, to appoint pastors, to, to continue to go back to check up on. Now, let's understand in, it, in its simplicity where we are. We've studied creation. We've studied the fall. We've studied what I call the redemptive uh, uh, expressions of God throughout the centuries in which he raised up a man, a family, and then a nation out of that. Out of that nation came a, a kingly lineage in which out of that lineage came Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, a lot of people would ask the question, why? Why was all of this necessary? And then other people would say things like this, well, well, you know, and who came up with all of this? Well, here's a couple of things you have to understand. First of all, by the enormity of everything around you and how little you are, you ought to just be able to look around and make a, make a, a pretty good observation and figure out that uh, you're not in charge. <laughs> did, did you get that? You're not in charge. There's, someone, there's something out there that's much bigger, much greater, much, and I'm talking about bigger than governments, bigger than, you can just tell by the enormity of creation and how small we are, that there's something out there that's much bigger than we are. Now, the plans and what has happened and what is... I, ye, listen, we're, 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 we're caught up in this drama without having all the information necessary to know exactly why we are. But we are. In the scope of time, in which if you believe the Bible, some 6,000 years of man's existence upon the earth, not meaning that the earth didn't have others on it, you know, millions of years ago or hundreds of, I don't know, that, 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 I don't know. And I'm not going to say yes or no because the Bible's not clear about it. It is clear that there was an existence before this existence because God told man to replenish the earth. So, Boom, at one time, I don't know, on his calendar, in his clock, God said, all right, I'm going to get busy and I'm going to begin to use my word and I'm going to put some things back into order and I'm going to use that to create someone in my likeness and image that I can call family. And so he took the earth and he took something that had no order or no purpose and he put it back in order so that it would have purpose. The Bible says the earth was void and without form, it did not say it did not exist. Amen? No, it existed. And if you really get it, if you're a student of the Bible, you'll dig in there and see that, yeah, the earth existed, probably was a pristine planet with all kinds of beautiful things and animals on it. And then Satan rebelled in heaven, and Jesus threw him out so fast it looked like lightning hitting the earth. And that's probably what the geologists and people look at the earth say, that there was an ice age and all this happened, and dinosaurs were frozen in their track. Well, obviously, when, when, when they threw the devil out of heaven, he hit the earth with all of his darkness, Everything went dark and cold. 
And when God came and thought, well, you know, we're going to do this human thing because I want a family. Uh, the human family is going to be my family. So he put the earth back in order, the sky back in order, the stars, everything back in order so that it would have function and purpose. Then he created laws and placed them in the earth and those laws in the earth still operate today. But when he put his family in the earth, he made them very unique in that he gave them a will or a choice in which they could choose. With that choice, they made the wrong choice. When they made the wrong choice, everything that was the intention of God for his family became cursed. And God lost his family. I heard, I heard Brother Kenneth Copeland one time call, preach a message on uh, the biggest loser and the biggest winner. And his message was on God. The biggest loser, why he lost everything. But he's also the biggest winner, why he got it all back. Amen? So he created uh, this human family, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Amen? And that family fell, and in that void of God not being able to interact with His human family, all of the negative stuff we see, especially now, 6,000 years later, happen on the earth to the human family and is mastated now until now we live, what, 60, 70, 80 years? All kinds of diseases are on the earth, all kinds of economic turmoil. We're in the last of the last days. People are saying, how can this happen? It happened because 6,000 years ago, mankind sinned against His Creator. But 2,000 years ago, God came back and set it all right. And when He set it all right, He put a plan into the earth in which the human family who was now cursed and segregated from Him could be united to Him and be one with His heart again even though upon the earth they would have to live by faith because the system that mankind sold out to the devil still remains. That's why men and women's minds get so corrupted. People follow their appetites, they follow their soulish desires, and it draws them away from God. But thank God for the gospel because it went out and it drew you. And you used your willpower to do what? To respond to God. And when you responded to God, you that were, you that were called became chosen. Us that were called became chosen. The gospel goes out and it calls 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 and it calls. To who? To the human family who's lost and undone without God, who has no destiny other than the grave, no future other than death. And whatever that is, and it's punishment and it's terribleness. Separation from God. Amen? But then that gospel goes out and it calls and it draws on the heart of men. It draws on that decision-making process. It draws, it draws. And that day you said, I'm going to bow my knee. I'm going to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. He's going to be my Lord. He's going to be my Savior. The day you did that, you entered into God's family. You were born into the human family. You were born again into God's family. And all that God began to do through redemption, through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, began in you the day you said yes to Jesus Christ. On that day, you became a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away. All things are new. On that day, all of your sin was remitted and done away with. Your, 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 your soul was cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and your spirit man was cre recreated in the likeness and image of God by the power of the resurrection that Jesus got for us when he rose from the dead. 
Now, with that in mind, you say, is it really that simple? It is. It's that simple. You're a new creature in Christ. Religion tries to deny. You know, we talk about the two great fallacies of religion. They talk about the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. How God is the father of all men. No, He's not. He's the creator of all men. When I say men, I mean men and women, mankind. Amen? He is not. He is the creator of all, but He's only the father of those that bow their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and through the death, burial, and resurrection and His ascension and entering into the Holy of Holies and pouring out His blood, you accept Him and His finished work. Then God accepts you. The call goes out. You answer. You become chosen. And you that are chosen have been what? Predestined to be made in the likeness and image of Him. That's where predestination comes in. Amen? It's not that you're chose to go to heaven, you're chose to go to hell, you're chose not to. Now, that's not what that means. But isn't it amazing how many religions are founded on that exactly? Amen? Thank God for the truth. Now, we're going to get into the letters to the church because it's amazing. The plan of God is so amazing. He did not use any of the 12 disciples. He used actually the enemy of God, what would be classified as probably the worst enemy of God and of the church. Saul of Tarsus was his name. He shows up there in, in Acts chapter 7, 8, and 9. He, he's persecuting the church and he's given authority uh, there at the end of chapter 8 to, to give an authority to the stoning of Stephen, a deacon in the church, a just man full of the word and full of the Holy Ghost. As far as we know, the first martyr. Amen? And he still persecutes the church. And he, he goes to the Sanhedrin and, and he obtains arrest warrants. Just as if somebody would go to the magistrates of the, uh, of the Galveston County and get arrest warrants for you. That's what they did. And he has all these arrest warrants and he's on his way to Damascus because he heard there was revival going on in Damascus. And on the way, see, two things were working against him though. You say, what was that? Number one, he was traveling through all the region in which Jesus had done his ministry. So there were people there that once were blind, but now they saw. People there that once were crippled, but now they walked. People there that were once demon-possessed, but now they were cleansed and whole. People there that were once lepers, and now they're cleansed and whole. Amen. There were all kinds of tests. There were thousands of people that ate that bread and fish. Then you had the prayers of God's people who Jesus told them to love those that persecuted you and do good unto those that would harm you. So what are they doing? They're praying for him, praying for him. So on his entrance into Damascus, boom, Jesus shows up. A come to Jesus meeting. The light's so bright it welds his eyes together. That's what it did, welded his eyes together. Immediately he gets born again, calls him Lord. Who art thou, Lord? Doesn't even know who he is, makes him Lord. Amen. He didn't say, he didn't say, uh, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a Jehovah. He didn't say, he didn't say, I'm, a, I'm the Father. He said, I'm Jesus. He said, well, he ain't hiding. Amen. He said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. See, those are those, those pricks that all of us know about when God was urging you to serve Him the right way. Amen? But He was gloriously saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, ministered to by a man named Ananias that we never heard of, heard of, heard of before or since. 
Just ministered to one man. But think of that. He ministered to Saul of Tarsus who became Paul the apostle and he gets to share in all of his rewards because he was obedient to minister to him. Jesus said if you give a cup, a cup of water to a prophet, you'll in no wise not share in his reward. Amen? So now you got this guy and he, listen, he starts out, he's very zealous, but he ends up in the, in the Arabian desert for 14 years, and in that Arabian desert, he receives a revelation from God. Everybody say revelation. Now see, that's what we need, because we know from Matthew chapter 16, that's what Peter got when he declared, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not what? Revealed it unto you. The word revealed means to be uncovered from the source. It's not that you hear it from a preacher. It's that you hear it from God. A preacher may say it. A preacher may speak it. But it registers on your heart as if God speaks it. Amen. That's why the word we're studying on Sundays, the power of the word, power of the spirit, and the power of the name. We're on the power of the word. That's why the word's so powerful. The word, your words aren't that powerful. God's words are. God's words have power in them. So he pins these letters to the church and in these letters we see things that refer to church government. We think, see things that have to do with our character. We have revelations of how faith works. We have revelations of the gifts of the Spirit. But the real thread that runs through all of these letters to the church are the realities of redemption. Who you are, what you have, what you can do in Christ. Now let me say this because I've been doing this a little while and I've been around, you know, I've preached in cities and in nations where there's a lot of religion and there are people that used to come to our meetings over the years that challenge us on the things that we believe. But here's the thing. I have noticed over the years that if a man or a woman is not filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, they very much struggle with these letters to the church. Some of you probably remember the day in which you were probably saved before you received the Holy Ghost. And many times you'd go over to those letters and wonder, what in the world is this all about? And you'd think, I have no idea. But when you got the Holy Ghost, you started going, huh. Started coming together. All of the teaching I've ever heard on redemption came from men, that were filled, men or women that were filled with the Holy Ghost. So much of the denominational world, I heard of several professors, I could name the denomination, large denomination, all over the world denomination, but they, their professors declared, we don't like the letters to the church. They're too hard to understand. Wish we could tear them out of the Bible. Pastor John Osteen, who was a Baptist pastor for 19 years, said the same thing. Said he, you know, he got two degrees, a degree of divinity from John Brown University. The other one was from, I forget where it was. But he got, he had two, uh, actually had three because he had one conferred upon him by Oral Roberts University. But here's the thing. He said, when I got the Holy Ghost, it opened my eyes. He said, I went to seminary for almost 12 years and I did not know that. I didn't know who I was in Christ. I didn't know what I could do in Christ. I didn't know what I had in Christ. He said, but when I got the Holy Ghost and got into those letters, I found out who I was, what I could do, and what I could have in Christ Jesus. Now let me tell you something, church. The knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is what empowers your faith. Now let me say that again. The knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is what empowers your faith. Not so much the knowledge of what you need to do because of what situation you're in. See, people think, 
Well, I need teaching on faith. So they get a lot of teaching on faith and they know, to, they know to believe in their heart. They know to confess with their mouth. They know what to speak. And many times they're speaking the word, but the intent, listen, they don't understand the author and the finisher of their faith. Jesus is the what? The object of your faith. The intent of your faith is what you're aiming your faith toward. How do we get off on this? Somebody needs to hear it, I guess. The intent of, if you believe in God for healing, that's, that's what you want your faith to, to, to tap into. To appropriate for you, it's already been supplied for you. Jesus already took stripes upon his back. He's risen from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. You have the word that has its power in there. Therefore, you know to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God, yes, that will help build your faith. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word and the word brings its power to you in the form of a revelation that it reveals Jesus to your heart. You understand that? It's not, see people say, I need teaching on faith. Yes, you do need teaching on faith. But if you don't know why you have faith, what good is it going to do? You have faith because of Him. You have faith because of Him. He is the one that gives you the faith and He's the one that causes that faith to come into existence. He is the one, He is your all in all. In Him we live and move and have our being. Amen? So what is important? Knowledge. My people die for what? A lack of knowledge. Leah, my wife, grew up in a certain denomination. And they never told her nothing. Nothing. Other, other than what the denomination, you know, whatever they, but never, no knowledge, no godly knowledge, no, no righteous knowledge. And we may think, well, you know, studying all these things are not really relevant to my particular situation. I need teaching on finances. I need teaching on marriage. I need to... No, 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 no. You need a revelation of Jesus because that revelation of Jesus will put order in your life. Amen? Now, here's how it begins. Everybody say knowledge. We've talked about the prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 many times. When I began many years ago, back in 1984, my study of redemption, here's where it began. It began in Ephesians chapter 1. And it begins with this prayer, but not just this prayer. Ephesians chapter 1, the first few verses show us seven things that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Right there. Seven things in the, in the beginning of one letter. Right there. Seven things God's done for us in Christ. See, when you begin to see these things, then what do you do? When you see them in the Word of God, then you embrace them with your heart by believing them and what? Confessing them. This is mine. This is mine. If somebody ever tried to take something from you, would you tell them, no, you can't take that. This is mine. I know a lot of some people just, yeah, yeah, you can just tell them. No, no, no. Things that are spiritual, things that God has given you that you get by revelation, you don't just give them up. Now notice, this is how it begins. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Let me get over there. Got a few minutes left. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's us. That's, that last line there is us. We're the faithful in Christ. Amen. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. There was a time when I could teach that and people would scream. 
Really? When people would just go, wow. You say, why is that? That's a revelation that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now let's kind of pick apart this revelation. Number one, anything you get from God is going to come from the spirit realm. Salvation, baptism in the Holy Ghost, prosperity, healing in your physical body, breakthrough in your finances, healing in your, whatever it is. It's going to come from the unseen realm in which all of the provision of God has been put up for you where? In heavenly places. You say, why is that? Because the devil can't get to it. He can't get to it. He can't get to it in the spirit realm. It's, 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 it's there for you. It's deposited for you. Now, now, you know, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was written for us as an example. But the New Covenant is written to us, directly to us. It is telling us. It is our mirror. It is the reflection that God wants us to see in our heart where you begin to see who you are. Number one, you begin to get the revelation. I've been blessed. I, I confess that. I've confessed that for 38 years, 39 years. Thank you, Father. I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You say, why? It is my acknowledgement of those blessings. My healing, my healing, my provision, my destiny, my calling, my path of righteousness that I have to fight the fight of faith on. God's already laid up what provision for me? He told me in my will. See, we'll get into inheritance in a little bit. He told me in the will. He hath what? Bless me with all spiritual. You need a financial blessing? Well, you've already got it spiritually. It's already there. He supplies all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He who knew, knew no sin was made sin on our behalf so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Gives you the right to tap into what he has provided for you. Under the old covenant, they lived on a credit card. I mean, everything they did was credit, 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 spiritual credit. They didn't have spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Do you understand that? David had no spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Moses had no spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Joshua had no, Daniel had none, Isaiah had none of them, none of them. They were living by credit. Blood of bulls and goats. But one day Jesus came and he paid the bill. But not only did he pay the bill, he put a deposit in the bank. And the deposit in the bank is for the church, for the men and women on the earth that will make Jesus Christ as Lord and do their best to do the will of God in the earth in the day in which they live. God says, I've laid up something in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What is it, Lord? All spiritual blessings. Amen. Listen, the home I live in is a spiritual blessing. The car I drive is a spiritual blessing. The clothes on my back are a spiritual blessing. You say, why? One day they were in the spirit realm. But I tithe and offer and speak the word of God and live by faith. Amen. And what happened? They ended up on my back. I ended up living in the home. I ended up driving the cars. You say, why? They are evidence of the finished work of the Lord Jesus in my life because in him I live and move and have my being. I have no other support or anything else that puts anything in my life other than him. 
That's why God raises up ministers to live like that as a testimony to you so that you in your life can live like that with the provision that God has given you. Amen. All spiritual blessings in heaven. Everything. Healing, yes. Prosperity, yes. Peace, yes. Joy, peace, all of it. That's just the first one. Now notice this. Second, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be without holy and without blame before him in love. Whoa, he cleanses us. You ever felt dirty? I tell you, the world can make you feel dirty. There's songs that can make you feel dirty, movies that can make you feel dirty, conversations that can make you feel dirty. I'm telling you, you can watch the news and feel dirty. Now today, you can watch some of those commercials and feel dirty. Crazy, amen? But no, we've been cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And no, it doesn't matter how filthy society gets. It doesn't matter how perverse they get. It doesn't matter what they want to do, what they want to be. I'm telling you, they want to do it all and be it all. Go for it. Nothing but death at the end. Nothing but death at the, in the end. Amen? But he's chosen us in him. He's chosen us to be cleansed. Amen? Oh, I tell you, that's such a powerful truth. If you ever have any guilt over anything you've ever done in your past, you need to go meditate in that scripture right there and realize that God has cleansed you. Hallelujah. Now notice this in verse 5. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now let's, let's settle it right now. You all settle it? Let's settle a predestination question. Okay, pastor, what is predestination? This is what it is by the truth of the word of God. Predestination. The call goes out. You respond, yes, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. Your call, because the call was responded to, you become chosen. Because you become chosen, God chose you like he has everyone else that has ever lived on the planet from the foundation of the world before you were conceived in your mother's womb. Let me help you a little bit. Because I've been guilty of it. I did it for years. I'd give altar calls and we'd see people come to the altar and get saved and we'd talk about them coming down, getting a new life, becoming a new creature and getting their name written in the Lamb's book of life. You ever heard that term? Did you know that is absolutely untrue? Did you know your, your name is in the Lamb's book of life the day you're born onto this planet and remains in that book till the day you die? And on the day you die, God looks at that name to see if it's been re rewritten in blood. You say, what blood is that? That's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Because every person that has lived since Jesus was raised from the dead, God has included them in this salvation plan. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, God's not into fairness. He's into justice. If He was fair, He'd send you to hell. I've heard people, I've seen people bristle, you know, self-righteous people. I go, yeah, right. Amen. So thank God. Thank God. He chose us in Him. That means He's got a plan for you. 
Don't doubt the plan of God for you. And people say, well, I've lived my life out there. No, no, God's got a plan for you whether you've got a week left, a day left, or a hundred years left. You just have to be willing to seek it and to enter into it and to obey God. Now, let me say this because I'm not teaching on the plan of God, but this will help you. A lot of people never find it. You know why? Here's why. They're not willing to do the revealed plan, so they never get the personal plan. You think God's going to trust you with a personal plan if you're not willing to do His revealed plan? You say, what do you mean by that? Well, God tells you in the Word to get born again, tells you to get filled with the Holy Ghost, tells you to come to church, tells you to tithe, tells you to offer, tells you to be involved in missions, be involved in the church, to love one another, to be patient, to kind, to grow in God, to become mature. Yeah, if you're not doing that, what makes you think God's going to come and say, now i got this special plan for you? When you're just rejecting the plan that He's given you that's in the book. But if you're not rejecting the plan that's in their book, then God will counsel with you. God will talk to you. God will help open doors for you. God will give you favor. God will bless you. God will promote you. God will make everybody know, this is my, this is my prince. This is my princess. And I've got my hand on their life. Amen? Whoo, this is good stuff. I don't know about you. I thought the same thing 39 years ago chosen us before the foundation of the world should be holy without him, blame before him in love, having predestined us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according. Now, how, how did this happen? It happened according to the good pleasure of his will. The Bible says that our God that we serve does all things after the counsel of his own will. Amen. You say, well, how can he do that? If I was to say that I did it that way, everybody would think I was haughty and full of pride. You're not God. Not one amen on that one. Maybe we need to have a deliverance service, get you delivered from being God. Maybe you get some help then, amen? Now notice this. It says, having predestined us into the adoption of children. And did you know adopted children have no, more rights than those born into the family? Go study it. They have more rights than the children born into the family. He's adopted us into the family of God. Because the day that Jesus rose from the dead, the servants of God became the family of God because Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel. And we get in on all that. I don't like them Jewish people. Why not? You are one. Paul himself said, He's not, he, 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 that's, he that is a Jew is not Jew because of what he does outwardly, because who he is is on the inside. Well, we better not get into that. You'll go nuts. Now notice here. To the praise of His glory. Now notice these things. Blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Chose us. Predestined us. Amen. And now in whom we have redeemed. No, no. Verse 6. To the praise of His glory of His grace. Whereof He has made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted. See, we see that. Accepted into the beloved. If you understood what someone, say a, say, a, say a Jewish rabbi 1,800 years ago who had been a rabbi raised to be in the Levitical law, studied what redemption would bring upon the earth and realized this guy's the Messiah and began to realize all of these different realities as the Apostle Paul brought these revelations. Did you know those people couldn't be contained? Number one, one reason is is because we've been 2,000 years living by faith. They were almost 3,500 years living by the glory of God. 
Honey, they felt God. When God spoke, he rattled the ceiling. He wrote on the wall with fingers. Amen? I mean, th- this thing, I mean, he appeared at Sinai and, 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 the, and the whole earth shook and, and, the, and, the, and the nation wouldn't even go to the mountain because of their own sin. They said, but send Moses. Moses and Joshua went. Buddy, they, they felt God. They heard God. They saw God. And when God punished them, they, <laughs> they were miserable. And then Jesus came. And he showed us the true face of God and the true nature of God. And then he rose from the dead. And then God, the Holy Spirit, showed up on the earth to live and abide in us forever. And we've lived 2,000 years. I said this the other day. And all the technology and all the modern things that we have is a reason. The reason that, I'll give you one word. Why we have everything we have today, I'll give you one word. Why? The light. God turned on the light. He turned on the light in the hearts of men and women that loved him, that sought him. Most of our modern inventions came from believers. Did you know that? So all of these things, this is just in one chapter. Now notice. Here's another good one. We're accepted in the beloved. Everybody say the beloved. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. There's our redemptive package. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. Now, you say, well, God is a mysterious God. Well, somebody said it the other day on the radio. I was listening to the, a radio station out of Corpus that has a lot of preaching. God works in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform. That's not in the Bible. I heard a preacher, his name was Jerry B. Walker. He was kind of crazy anyway. But man, he had some awesome miracles in his ministry. He told me one time, he said, I preached six weeks in the same church on God works in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform, until I finally figured out it wasn't in the Bible. He said, every day I kept looking for it, until finally God spoke to me and said, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> Amen? No, He's given us His Word. And His Spirit abides in us. Now notice this, and we'll close. My time's up. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will. Well, what? we never know what God will do. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will. Well, you just never know God's mysterious. No. What does the Word say? When the denominational preachers get up around the world and say, we don't know what God is. We don't know how He does things. We just trust He loves us. You know. The Bible says he makes known unto us the mystery of his will. What was his will? To redeem us, to cleanse us of the sin of Adam's fall, to get all the unrighteousness and wretchedness out of us, to redeem us, leave us on the earth to live by faith, but to give us the down payment. I like what one translation says, or the engagement ring. I mean, you have an engagement ring. You say, what is that? That's the Holy Ghost. He's our down payment, our earnest money contract. He's our engagement ring. Whoa. Let me get to that. It's right here. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather and together one all things both in Christ, both, both are which in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who walketh, worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. We're going to come back to that. 
in whom you also trusted that after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Now listen, I wanted to get you to that point to get you to this. If you say, Pastor Rusty, listen, I, all this stuff you teach, it's all well and good. Some of it's kind of deep. Some of it's not so deep. But here's what I know. I know I'm saved. I know I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I know I speak with other tongues. I don't believe this. I know this. I know that faith works. I may not know everything, but I know these things. Then you have the reality of your engagement ring on you. You know that one day you're going to step into a glorified body. Not only that, you know that if you were to die in your physical body, the moment you closed your eyes here on the earth, you would be with Him in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote all this awesome revelation, said it's not just better to be dead and in heaven. It's far better. Amen. So you know, when you begin to discover these truths and realities, begin to walk in them, all these things in Ephesians chapter 1 concludes with what? The Ephesians 1 prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, that we would know the hope of His calling. What is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places? Far above all, principality, power, might, and dominion. Every name that could be named, not only in this world, but that want you to come have put all things under his feet made him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth it all in all when you begin to realize these are the hidden mysteries that God wants to put in the hearts of men and these hidden mysteries carry power supernatural power so powerful so powerful that God can use anybody at any time, at any place that walks in these things to do supernatural works. Jesus himself said, the works that I do, you shall do also. Whether it's in the kitchen or whether it's in a, in a mass meeting with thousands of people, wouldn't make any difference whatsoever to God. He's just looking for people with faith and people that believe that this is true. The words of that prayer are so powerful I've prayed that as soon as I begin to realize i got to have some information here. I need me some knowledge. And not just some knowledge, you know, like you get book knowledge. I need some knowledge that's going to impact my life. That's going to help me because I am now chosen to make chosen choices. I ought to write a book called Chosen Choices. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? When you, when you begin to realize you're chosen, and what you're chosen for and why you're chosen. You say, why are you chosen? Because he loves you. I listened to us coming back from South Texas uh, yesterday. I was listening to that radio station I was telling you about. A denominational preacher came on and was preaching a Christmas message, and it was so good. I really loved it. He was talking about God's expressions of love. Out of Matthew... Chapter 2, uh, chapter, was it chapter 2, chapter 1? When it talked about the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew, he names four women. 
And those four women, the best of them is Ruth, the Moabitess. But if you know who a Moabitess is and you know who Moab is, <laughs> amen. And then there was, there was uh, Tamar, Tabar, Tamar. And there was Rahab. You say, what's the point? He was showing that in that lineage were these fallen women who had made these, these horrible lives, but God had come into their lives. And it was the expression of the grandness of his forgiveness and restoration. And he was using that as an illustration of the love where the Bible says, for God so loved the world. He said he loved Every, every downtrodden. And he, then he began to talk about our modern era. Every, every drug addict, every alcoholic, every proud politician and banker, people who have money and think they're gods. He loves them all. He loves them all. He loves them all unconditionally. And at Christmas time, we celebrate the gift that was given that causes us to realize how much God loved us. For God's so loved, that means he's already done it. The world that he gave his only begotten Son. Then He made it so simple that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says it's so simple that a fool or a wayfaring man it, it, it would be able to enter into it. So in this day and hour, late day, late hour, I was listening to Joe Morris today shaking my head saying, my goodness, how much more time do we have? How much more time do we have? I don't know. But we have to live it, we have to proclaim it, amen, and we have to endure it. And as we do, the grace and mercy of God is going to show up in our generation like never before to preserve us, to keep us, and to keep us moving forward in the kingdom of God. Amen? Praise God. How many new creatures we have? Old things passed away. All things are new for you. Hallelujah. Thank God. You're accepted in the beloved. Did you get that? So I've never been accepted in anything. Well, you are now. You are now. You're accepted in the Beloved. Hallelujah. In whom we have redemption. Even the forgiveness of sin. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Paul said in Acts, said, you're complete in Him. He said, in Him we live and move and have our being. The knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ the more you see Him, the more you see yourself in Him. And the more you see yourself in Him, the more victorious you are. As we've said 10 million times from this pulpit, you're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not sick trying to get healed. You're the healed of God using the Word of God to drive out any sickness, symptom, or to receive something that's going to affect a cure and a deliverance in your body. You're not poor trying to get rich. You're the rich of God. Tithing, offering, obeying God, appropriating that which you need in this dispensation, generation, and season. For He said it, never leave you, never forsake you. Amen? Has He left you or forsaken you? Amen. Isn't God good? Praise God. Stand on your feet. Father, we thank you for all these wonderful redemptive rights. What you've done for us in Christ. We're so thankful. Lord, as we leave tonight, we claim the protection and safety afforded us by the covenant of blood Jesus secured on our behalf. 
Your word says all the promises of God are in him, yea and amen, to the glory of God by us. So over this holiday season, Lord, many are at banquets and functions, enjoying friends and families. But Father, we declare over them and over us here tonight, we are protected. Psalms 91, no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. As we travel on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we claim that protection and safety. In the righteous labor of our hands, in that which we do, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. No trauma, no terror. Yes, Lord, we cancel the plans of the devil. For you are a liar and the father of lies you are. We declare your power against us is null and void because Jesus has defeated you. Thank you, Father, for a glorious Christmas season. We bind accidents, calamity. We thank you for the joy of the season and the joy of God being in our hearts and lives. As we share in fellowship one with another, as we draw, into, draw, draw nigh unto you, believe and we receive a greater revelation of Jesus. Thank you for the grace it produces. Thank you tonight, Lord. We leave walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We leave walking in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. Thank you, Lord, here at Island Church. Covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.